Shaw is in the house today. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good, man. I see you, you got your tiger over there. Oh yeah. The uh, the, the uh, I, I don't know. The, are you the WFR Tiger King over there? Well, I mean, what's well, going on? I just think it's good to remind everybody that LSU is still the national champions, and from time to time, ah yes, we just need a little tiger look. You know, hey, I, before I, Joe Exotic, it. you know, there were some real tigers going on. <laughs> that's, that's right. The real Tiger Kings are the LSU Tigers. There you so. go. Uh, so what about you, Al? What positive uh, uh, thing in your life has been has been shined during this quarantine? Well, it's without a doubt for me, Ryan. It's Lisa not having to wear makeup and fix her hair. <laughs> I mean, like, it's, that's most of my day before is waiting on her. And now, you know, she's like, I don't care anymore, which has been a great blessing. Uh, but also just the time we have been able to spend. It's been a great quiet time of study, you know, because between what we're doing here and doing on Unashamed, um, it, it's spent a lot of time in the Word, more than normal, and that's been a great blessing uh, to me, which is great. You know, we're super excited to have you guys here today. Uh, we've got, uh, as we said, we got some, some of my fellow elders in the house today, and also a couple that's uh, visiting from Illinois that happened through. Uh, glad you guys are here. The Stovers, is that right? Uh, glad you guys are here. Also, some of my favorite people uh, here from Missouri, uh, a dear brother and sister from up there. And so uh, we're glad you guys are here as well. So, you know, we've got a little audience here, Ryan, which is exciting to me. Uh, also, Rucker. Wasn't it great to see Rucker? I mean, Rucker, he was before this new goon, he was our goon, you know. And uh, But our favorite goon, because we love that guy. Uh, thank you, Brian, for today and being here. You're such an awesome brother. Um, you know, I'm excited today because we installed our two-way cameras from China. Uh, and so now I can see you as well as you seeing me. I bet you didn't know that, did you? And, and most of you are looking pretty good. Uh, you know, Jerry Madden, the ponytail, looking good. Uh, Beth Burns, lovely as ever. Thank you for your decorating skills. You're awesome. I love you. Some of you need some work. Um, Tommy Inman, come on, man. The barbershops are open, dude. <laughs> Let's, I mean, get some sleeves on, you know, do something about that beard. You know, Ryan, I was saying, I wish we could have had with Tommy, if we could have taken a snapshot every day to coronavirus time-lapse his beard, uh, it would have been really uh, cool. And Gary Glenn, dude, put some pants on. I mean, come on, man, we're worshiping God here. So anyway, we're so excited about that. Uh, and also, one, one thing before we get serious here, uh, Mike, you'll like this. I love getting comments from people uh, that watch the live stream. And so Kelly on YouTube sent this message from our sermon last week. It said, wow, Al, one of your best messages. Thanks also to the other gentleman. <laughs> I mean, I don't know which is funnier, that she doesn't know who you are or that she thinks you're a gentleman. I mean, <laughs> anyway, all right, we got to get serious. So, or as, as Phil would say, uh, what are we studying today, Al? So um, time to get a little more serious. Let's, uh, let's let Daniel Rogers get us going with our scripture today. church family. My name is Daniel Rogers and today I'll be reading to you Revelations 22, 12, and 13. Look, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, and this tigers, especially for your family. So just know that I love you, bud. Um, so today is sort of a, I'm going to pick up where I left off. Uh, I bet you didn't know it was a two-part sermon, but three weeks ago, uh, we talked about Jesus being the God of healing. 
Uh, and that's from John 4 and John 5, because there's a couple of really neat miracles there. And I had so much material uh, in that section that I decided I would save some uh, for today. So today we're going to kind of hit the second part of that. But I want to go back and remind you of what we talked about. In John 4, 39 through 54, we talked about Jesus being the God of distance. Because you remember the setting. So there's a guy comes up and he's got his, his son is sick back home. He's like here to Calhoun. I mean, he's like 17 miles away. And yet Jesus, Jesus just speaks and, and the son is healed. And it shows his ability of being omnipresent. And Jesus put himself, of course, he became a human being. So he limited his, his proximity in terms of space by becoming one of us. But he didn't limit his power. I mean, he wants to heal somebody 17 miles away, boom, it happens. And so out of that, we talked about that we're never too far away for Jesus to be able to touch us and bless our lives. And that's very comforting, right? So the second thing we talked about uh, back then was that Jesus also showed he was the God of restoration. And that takes us to John chapter 5. And you remember the setting there. So there's this paraplegic. He's uh, waiting at the poolside of Bethsaida. And so the, the story was that every once in a while, angel of the Lord would come and stir the waters. And first person in uh, gets healed from whatever malady they have. And so this guy has been waiting here. We know he's been there for you know 38 years. And so he's, he's trying to be able to get in to find restoration. Jesus, of course, comes up and time means nothing. All of a sudden, this guy's been here for all these years that he just speaks and says, pick up your mat and walk and boom. All of a sudden, his health is restored. And we talked about that being the eternal component of Christ. We're never too late to find restoration. So we're never too far away because he's omnipresent. We're never too late because he's eternal. So I want to pick up right there because some other things happen uh, in this man's life. And I think it shows us more of this idea of who Christ is. So we're going to start out with the idea in, in John chapter 5. We're going to pick it up in verse 9. And you're going to see that Jesus is also the God of awareness and accountability. He's omniscient. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. Look at verse 9 if you're following along. John chapter 5. The day on which this took place, this healing, was a Sabbath. Uh-oh. That's going to cause some problems. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, think about how ridiculous this is. They said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath healed person. The law forbids you to carry your mat. You know, I'm missing the forest with the trees. Somebody ought to have been doing a little hand clap, you know, for this guy who's now healed and jumping up, running around after being a paraplegic for 38 years. Instead, we want to get a jot and a tittle in, right? Who is this person? But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. In other words, the guy who healed me told me to do it, so I'm going with the guy who healed me. And I don't really care about what you think about it. So they said, well, who is he? Who told you to do it? We got some explaining to do, right? The man who was healed had no idea who it was. For Jesus had, here you go, Jesus, slipped away into the crowd that was there. Jesus always has that ability to just do something amazing. Then he just slips away. So this is going to open up a can of worms, which we're going to talk about later, about Jesus being questioned about his authority. But I love this. So later, Jesus finds him at the temple. So you can imagine this guy's hopping and skipping and jumping, and he's running for the first time in 38 years, maybe ever. We don't know. And Jesus finds him. It's like, oh, hey. And I love what he says. It's like, so you're well, like looking good. And don't you love that about Jesus? It's like, you know, he just healed the guy. He's like, oh, you're still doing good. That's great. And then he says this. I find this incredible. Stop sinning or something worse will happen to you. 
I mean, you talk about a little. I mean, all of a sudden we're like, hey, you're still doing good. You're running around, you're hopping, skipping. And he says, oh, by the way, you need to stop a sinful lifestyle or something worse will happen to you. In other words, worse than being a paraplegic for 38 years? Worse. It tells us a lot in that, right? The man went away and told the Jewish, Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. So we learned something about Jesus. He knows this man's heart. And even though his body now is fixed, there's still something not quite right spiritually about this guy. Now, we don't know what it is. I don't know what he'd been up to. Jason and I argued and debated on the podcast because Jay said he thought he went and got drunk in celebration from being healed. Maybe he's right. I don't know. But I tend to think this is more of a systemic problem in this guy's life. Just because he was handicapped doesn't mean he may not have been bitter or selfish or who knows what. So here's what we learn about Jesus in this. And this is another element of his deity. He knows everything. He knows everything. So that, therefore, that word is omniscient, the state of knowing everything. You just think about that. Nothing that's ever happened, nothing that ever will happen will be beyond your knowledge. And so that's why I love it that Jesus, we look at his physical miracle and everybody sees, and of course, the Jewish leaders missed it completely. This guy's just thinking he hit the jackpot. He didn't even have to get in the pool and he got the healing. But what he didn't know was is that Jesus was more concerned about his spiritual life and who he was. And he knows everything. Therefore, there's an awareness and accountability that comes in from him. Matthew 10, verse 29 says, Not one sparrow will fall to the ground outside your father's knowledge. Think about that. I think a lot of dead birds just coming in today. God knows them all. He knows everything. The hair on my head, which is much less today. Praise the Lord for that. And even the very hairs of your head are numbered. I left a lot laying on Connie Sue's floor yesterday. God knows them all. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than sparrows. So if he's going to look out for the sparrow, he's got it covered. He knows everything. 2 Corinthians 5.11, we know that it is to fear the Lord. What we are is plain to God. And I hope it's plain to your conscience. So important to know and understand. Our conscience, God knows that. He knows us that well. And that's, that's also frightening and fearful. You know, we're, he says, don't be afraid. But at the same time, we're like, God really knows what I'm thinking? He really knows. He knows what we know. Therefore, we are never unknown to Christ. I know sometimes people get isolated. This, this whole thing with the virus, the hardest thing has been isolation for so many people. And sometimes you just feel like, you know, nobody knows what I'm going through. Somebody knows. The Lord knows. And he never left you. Remember, he's everywhere. And he knows everything. And he's eternal. He's never going to leave you. So you think, man, I'm going through something so difficult. I get it. God's with you. Jesus is there. And he holds us accountable. You know, it helps me to know that. And when I blow it, when I mess up, when I'm just like, oh, man, I know that Jesus knows. But I also know that he said... In my weakness, his power is made perfect. So that allows me to say, Lord, you know that thought I just had. You know what I just did. I'm so sorry. I know you know. And I know I'm not condemned because of your blood. See, it's just all how you look at it. You can be afraid of what he knows. You can say, you know what, you know everything. So I'm just going to be honest with you. So many times we hold back things because we don't want people to know. But Jesus always knows. He also shows, of course, in this whole thing that he's the God of action. He's omnipotent. So look at verse 16. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. Well, of course they did. 
missed the boat. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work. My father is always at work to this very day. Then I love, he said, and I too am working. And of course, this is going to throw him into overdrive because not only is he violating the Sabbath, but now he's putting himself on equal footing with the Almighty, with the Father, with Yahweh in their mindset. And they thought, man, there's no way this guy is going to make it. You know, we got to kill this guy. Which think about that. They just saw what he did. Nobody can explain it. They're focusing now in on the mat part of it. He says, I am the God who never stops working. And that concept is one that's called omnipotent, the quality of having unlimited power. And none of us can relate because we know we're limited always. There is no unlimited power other than the Almighty God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. They are unlimited in what they offer us. Colossians 1.15 says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. God can never stop working, because if he did stop working, everything would end. He created it. He sustains it. He maintains it. He never stops working. See, the Jewish leaders forgot that the Sabbath was made for us because we need the rest, not him. He doesn't need to take a day off. One of the things I've marveled about in this whole pandemic, uh, so many, whether it's governors, our president, this task force people, I mean, there was weeks there. It was was seven days a week. They're meeting. They're having the press conference. I mean, I was thinking, man. That's exhausting. So many other people are like, man, I wish I had something to do. And these people are like 24-7 just going the whole time. And I mean, that's impressive. They did that because, of course, we had a crisis going on. Well, think about God. He deals with every crisis. He deals with everything. And he never stops working for us. All powerful. So you know what that tells me? There's never a time when there's something that God can't do. There's never a thing. You know what? This is too big. This is too much. God can't do with this. Oh, man, my life is so horrible and terrible. God just, there's no way he can fix me. I've been a drug addict for some amount of years, and I've tried rehab. I've tried CR. I've tried this. I've tried that. And it's just too big of a problem. Not true. Not if you believe an omnipotent God loves you and can heal all things. This is exactly what happened here. Jesus said, I never stop working. So he's always going to be working for us. Jesus also showed finally that he's the God of judgment. When you get to verse 18, and I'll just give you some of the highlights, but you look and see what happens. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath. Now think about how stupid that is. You don't break the Sabbath when you made the Sabbath. He is the the rule maker. So he can be the rule breaker. He can do anything. He's God. That's how limited their vision was. But he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. How dare he? Are you kidding me? And yet, isn't that what the prophets have been telling them for thousands of years? That's what the Messiah would do. He would come here. He would be the king. He would bring salvation. He would make everyone whole and restore them. Then he shows up and they're just like, Lord, who is this guy? Missed it. They never understood the concept of who Jesus was, which is why, of course, most of them never bought in. 
Look at verse 19. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so the Son gives life to those he is pleased to give life. The Father judges no one, but it has entrusted all judgment to the Son. That's a powerful statement. Jesus is our judge. And it makes perfect sense because he's one of us. He's a human and he's God. Of course he gets all judgment. He knows everything. He knows what makes you tick. He was tempted just like you were in every way, according to Hebrews chapter 2. That's who I want to judge, me, is one who knows and understands. He has given him authority to judge because he is the son of man. What a blessing. He's the son of God. He's the son of man. The perfect representative for us. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. It's going to happen. Those who have done what is good will rise to live. Those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. I mean, literally, this thing is going down to the wire. One choice. Do you want to live or do you want to be condemned? That's the choice. And Jesus is that. You kind of get the picture, right? The son is the man and the God. What a blessing. John 8, 58 says, Very truly I tell you, Jesus said before Abraham was born, I am. Think about that statement. Abraham, good guy. Before he even came along, I am. I span all time. The text that we heard earlier from Daniel, Revelation 22, 13, 12 and 13. I'm, look, I'm coming soon. He said that 2,000 years ago. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. And he knows everything. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the first and the last. I am the beginning and the end. In Hebrews 13a, right? Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, and forever. That's our Lord. That's our judge. That's our God. So he is the first and the last. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He's omnipotent. Nothing is too hard for him. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. And he is eternal. He's always been. That's why he can look in on time and us and know everything. He sees it all. That's the Lord that I want to bow my knee to and have and always will. Here's the big finale. Hebrews 9, 27. Just as people are destined to die once... And after that, to face judgment. So Christ was sacrificed, sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. He took mine away. Man, if you're out there today, you got that lonely feeling. You hadn't bowed that knee and you hadn't made that profession and you hadn't made that move to him. And you're thinking, man, is it, could it really happen for me? Yeah. It's the big finale. And he will appear a second time. Not to bear sin, that's already happened, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Folks, you don't want to miss Jesus. This is it. This is the biggie. And if you're not in him, you've got to get in him. And you've got to ask him into you. The Holy Spirit of God can live in you. You talk about life-changing. This last week, I think maybe it was about 10 days ago. Uh, we had a couple of uh, transformation graduates, a couple of young ladies come in, and 
uh, we had prayer over him. And just, uh, you know, normally we'd have a big thing in front of everybody. And, of course, with the virus, we couldn't do it. But some of the elders were here. And so we had that prayer over them. And I don't know about you, Mike, but I was just looking into their faces. I mean, I just saw joy and peace, patience and kindness. All that just exuded from them. And and one of them, one of the sisters talked about how all these years she'd been fighting this addiction and you know all the rehabs and all the other things. I just can't get past this. I was just here and fail, fail, fail because she was trying to do it herself or just get people to help her. And she said, when I finally got here and I finally surrendered to Christ, things changed. And then she talked about her forever family that walked with her. She talked about Chad and Debbie and the group of ladies that had been there to support her. And now, of course, she said, I graduated from college all those years ago, and that college education meant nothing because of drugs. And now, all of a sudden, it means something again because my mind is clear, and I'm ready to be productive. And I was just listening to her talk, and I thought, man, that's what this is all about. It's about transformation and change, and you have to believe in a God big enough to do what needs to be done in your life. Got a brother here today facing cancer. Man, it's scary. It's scary, Charlie. And yet at the same time, our God is big enough to see you through no matter what. And even if cancer does take your life on this earth, we're talking forever, brother. We will be in heaven because of what Christ has done for you. What an incredible blessing that we have to trust ourselves to him. So if you've never done that, if you've never believed that he came here for you, that he died for your sins, that he was raised for you to walk out of that grave and to have life forever with him and be eternal if you've never accepted and known even that he was in heaven right now mediating for your sins therefore we can fully say that there's no condemnation for us and if you didn't know until today that he's coming back and you want to be ready in case he comes back before you die you need to embrace and obey that gospel you believe it you entrust yourself to it You say, I want to walk away from whatever it is that's been holding me back from becoming a Christian. I want my life to change. You confess him as your Lord. Jesus, you're my Lord. I bow my knee to you. Find somebody to baptize you in water, which is just a reenactment of that beautiful death, burial, and resurrection. Today can be that day. What a God that we serve. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. What a blessing. I hope that your life is firmly in Christ today.